As the number of children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder increases, it's becoming even more important for doctors to make sure their practices are autism friendly in order to keep their practices running smoothly and to ensure a good experience for their patients. For children with autism, a negative medical experience can deter them from seeking medical care later in their lives, so making sure early experiences are positive can set them up for a healthier future. The Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is taking an evidence-based approach to ensure effective and positive patient interactions for their patients with autism and their families. You're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Rakuski, your host, and with me today is Dr. Judith Miller, a clinical psychologist and clinical training director for the Center for Autism Research at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Dr. Miller is working with clinical teams and medical fellows throughout CHOP to implement changes to patient flow to better accommodate patients with autism and their families. They are evaluating those changes to learn what's most effective and where there are challenges. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I did my graduate work at the University of Utah and my postdoctoral fellowship at Emory University. I've worked primarily with children with autism, both clinically and in research, for almost 20 years. Um, I do always try to have some work that involves children who don't have autism, just so I can make sure that I always keep a good perspective on the kids that I work primarily with. So can you talk about the work you were doing within CHOP to help clinicians and patient families be better prepared for medical visits with patients with autism spectrum disorder? Yes. So many of the units within CHOP uh, have been starting their own grassroots effort to improve the way they provide medical care to patients with autism. Um, As you mentioned in your opening segment, when a child with autism has a negative medical experience, it can really make it difficult for them to get health care in the future. So a lot of the units were really looking to their nursing staff and child life staff for some extra guidance on how to better work with these kids in this population. So what we're doing is bringing those strategies together and helping come up with a more systematic way to make sure that every patient who comes to CHOP, who whether they have autism or not, has a terrific patient experience, and that when children have special behavioral needs, like children with autism, that we're able to accommodate those needs. So what are the key learnings you've discovered with this initiative? The two things that I've learned the most are that the most important things are for the staff to be prepared and the parents to be prepared. And along with that comes a need for good communication across staff and parents. First of all, Even knowing that a child has autism before you meet them changes the way you approach the patient. So that is true for nurses and physicians, but also for the medical assistants who are going to greet the child in the waiting room, um, the phlebotomist who's going to uh, collect the blood for some um, blood test. So even just knowing that a child has autism can make you stop and think about, okay, how can I approach this child in a very gentle um, and easygoing manner that's not going to um, put them in a lot of distress right off the bat? And then similarly, when parents know what to expect at the visit, they can do a lot to really help prepare their child and also to help the medical team during the visit. Parents know a lot about how their child functions. They know what's, uh, what are triggers for their child, what's going to make their child really upset, and also what's going to help their child calm down. So if a parent knows what the 
steps are going to be involved in a healthcare visit, they can really help the team plan for um, how to help the child stay calm and how to tolerate whatever medical procedure needs to be done. So how can what you've initiated within CHOP be implemented at a practice outside the hospital? Um, some of the things that we've done within CHOP are to try to better identify kids before the visit, identify kids who might need some special behavioral needs. So, for example, we're working on a small set of screening questions that we could ask to everyone who calls CHOP just to find out if their child might have some special behavioral needs or a special developmental diagnosis or behavioral diagnosis that would um, alert staff that they might need to approach this family with a little extra uh, behavioral care. So that could easily be transferred to other practices by just having the scheduler ask the family if the child has any special behavioral needs or a particular developmental diagnosis or um, behavioral diagnosis that would be helpful for staff to know. And then once the child is identified as having some potential for behavioral support need, then the staff can meet together before the patient comes and kind of um, figure out what's the best way to approach this, this patient. Is it best for them to schedule the patient first thing in the morning so there's less potential wait time or um, schedule the child uh, in a particular time of day that really fits in with the child's routine? So asking the parent, you know, when is the best time for you to have your appointment? When will be the time that's least disruptive to your child's routine. So what suggestions do you have for the nurses and office staff for their interactions with patients on the spectrum and their families? For nurses and office staff, one of the key pieces of feedback we get from family members is family members really appreciate when you speak to the child. Even if the child has very limited verbal abilities, remembering that the child is the patient and interacting with the child first is always a good way to go. We also have a little saying that we have been using called get low and go slow. A lot of kids with autism are easily overwhelmed in a new environment, so entering the room slowly and gently and making the room as comfortable as possible for the child and letting them get comfortable with you in the room before you start doing a lot of procedures or trying to do a physical exam. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm your host, Paul Rakuski, and I'm speaking with Dr. Judith Miller, clinical psychologist and clinical training director for the Center for Autism Research at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We're talking about setting up an autism-friendly medical practice. And thus far, we've talked about how to work with the nurses and office staff. But what advice do you have for physicians when interacting with patients diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and their families? Uh, that's a great question. So there are probably several important things for physicians to know. First, if their office staff and their nurses have been able to um, make the child comfortable and the, the visit is going well so far, then the physician's job really is to come in and, and continue that momentum. Go slow, get low, talk to the child first, um, show them what you're going to do before you do it, and use the parents to help you figure out what in the exam might trigger some distress in the child and what in the room or or what in the parent's bag of tricks would help calm the child down during the exam. So you can do as much of the exam as possible. 
some physicians find that when a child with autism is becoming agitated or is already in some distress, it's really difficult to provide the care that you want to provide. It's hard to get the physical exam done. It's hard to get every piece of the procedures that you want to do done. And so sometimes they have to make really tough decisions about whether to put a child through some part of the exam or whether to use other information to kind of help guide their clinical decision. It puts physicians in a bit of a bind. So knowing how to work with a child in a gentle way might require some extra time and it might require some extra um, teamwork from your staff, but it can really help you um, make sure that, that you're giving that patient the complete care that you want to. So we talked about working with the nurses and the office staff and good advice for physicians, but how do you interact and give advice for parents on getting ready for their visits to a physician's office? Um, That's a terrific question. Parents know their children the best, um, and sometimes that leads them to do things in, in pretty different ways. Some parents know that their child will be able to tolerate the doctor if they're given enough preparation ahead of time. So they'll they'll start talking about it a few days before. They'll be really open and honest about what's going to happen and if something's going to hurt, when that is going to happen, how long it's going to be, because usually it's only a, a very brief procedure like an injection or something. And they'll tell the child what's going to happen afterward. So by preparing the child, they start building this foundation where the child can understand that sometimes there are some painful things that happen when you go to the doctor, but they're not permanent and they're very short-lived. Some parents who use preparation strategies like that find things like visual schedules or social stories helpful. They also sometimes use strategies like teaching the child how to count down. Um, So maybe if they know the child is going to get um, blood drawn, they can say that they're going to count down from 20 or something. And so while the procedure is happening, they count down um, from 20 to zero, and then when they get to zero, the procedure's done. That helps the child have some sort of marker of of how fast this procedure is going to be because most procedures are pretty fast. Unfortunately, some parents have found that when they try to prepare their child, it, it becomes a problem. The child perseverates on it, they keep asking, they get very anxious, and so some parents don't prepare their child, and um, when the child comes to the doctor, everything is a surprise. Now, there are some times where that's okay, because the, the preparation can happen right before the um, the actual health care, and in some cases that might be the best approach. But in other cases, that might just teach the child that hospitals and doctor's offices are unpredictable places where sometimes something painful happens out of the blue. So I think if a parent is taking that approach, you just want to be really careful that um, that you're uh, appreciating that that might create some long-term memories for the child that will be difficult to overcome in the future. So as a physician team, you are proactively advising parents of what's going to happen at that next doctor's visit a week or two before the visit to then let the parents make the decision themselves on what the best way to handle prepping their child for that visit is. Exactly. And do you find in a lot of cases that the, the parents are sometimes more in distress than their children, that there's more angst 
in their preparation for bringing their child to a wellness visit or a doctor's visit of some sort. Yes, I do think um, parents are parents are doubly anxious when they come for a, a, a hospital procedure for their child with autism. First, because bringing any child to the hospital is a stressful experience, but then bringing a child who um, has autism and who you are not sure if they fully understand what's happening and you don't know yet how they're going to react to the situation, it can be an added layer of stress. So I think the more you do to prepare the parent, usually through the the strategies geared at preparing the child, you actually help calm the whole entire family because the child is going to respond to how uh, nervous or calm their parents are. And the more the parents know about what to expect and um, how to act during the hospital visit, the more they can help their child, model for their child the right way to approach it, express confidence and um, reinforce good behavior in their children and reinforce good tolerance of the of the healthcare. Is this also a program that you would be uh, considering to launch out into emergency rooms and trauma centers for the, the nurses and physicians that work in those spaces as well? Um, yes and no. Uh, Usually when you're coming to the emergency room, um, you can't really prepare the same way you can for a scheduled visit. But one of the key things that emergency room staff and all staff, whether you're in a primary care office or, or in an emergency room, all staff should know what autism is so that if a parent comes in and says, you know, we're here and my child has autism, uh, the staff will know that that's something worth discussing with the parents so you can get some more information about how to interact with the child and that it would be really important to alert the nurses and the physicians that the parent has shared this information because that's going to make the visit go better for everyone. Are there any materials or ideas that you can share with colleagues looking to implement a more autism-friendly environment in their practice? There are. The uh, Autism Treatment Network is a uh, group that is funded by Autism Speaks, which is a widely known um, awareness and fundraising advocacy group. And they have put together several toolkits specifically for physicians and um, dentists and other healthcare providers to help them in their practice. So they have things like... Um, materials that can be used to make a visual schedule or a social story. Those are two strategies that many children with autism uh, are familiar with and many families with autism are familiar with. And um, they can be used to help prepare the child before the visit and also to prepare the parent for what to expect during the visit. So I would recommend people go to the Autism Treatment Network website and scroll through their tool bag and their toolkits and and they'll find some helpful resources. So the program that you mentioned, Go Slow, Get Low, do you have any materials or a way for physicians to access that particular program that you're doing at CHOP? Well, what we've done is we've taken the strategies of visual schedules and social stories and made them for our, our particular units. Right now, we're working on making some general ones for primary care physicians. So I think in the next couple of months, you'll see some on the CHOP Internet website where practices could um, find a social story that, that would help a child go through a typical physical exam. So I think we'll have something like that in a couple of months. 
So this is something that you've successfully launched within CHOP. Uh, how will you plan on implementing this to external practices? Is this something that you would send people out to or just have people come and get these resources off of the CHOP website and be able to then self-implement themselves? Uh, we think we'll do a combination of both. So we'll have uh, on our website, we'll have some strategies for general um, units and primary care offices to uh, steps for them to consider when trying to make their practice more autism friendly. And then we're planning a series of outreach activities where we'll go to different primary care practices and talk about the strategies and how to implement them in their offices. Before we wrap up, do you have any additional thoughts we haven't covered that you want our listeners to know? Sure. I think the most important thing to remember when interacting with patients with autism and their families is that every interaction creates a memory for that child. And what we want is we want children who can get good medical care when they're children, but also who can get good medical care when they're adults. There are a lot of adults with autism and other developmental disabilities who are so afraid of the dentist and the doctor, that it's very difficult for them to get the medical care they need. So working with children gives us an opportunity to really make the experience as positive as possible and um, help lay the foundation for a lifetime of good health care. And I, I hope that's something that um, nurses and office staff and pediatricians can remember when they're having those potentially difficult or more time-consuming evaluations. They're really laying the foundation for this person to get access to health care throughout their life. My thanks to my guest, Dr. Judith Miller, clinical psychologist and clinical training director for the Center for Autism Research at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for listening.